0: You've seen the best. You've seen the worst. Now
1: here's the rest of both worlds. I'm Gayfesh.
0: Eat any good books lately?
1: And I'm Ari, and this is getting on my nerves now that I have them.
0: And today we'll be discussing the Star Trek The Next Generation episodes Deja Q and A Matter of Perspective. But first, we finally have them. The James Webb Space Telescope photos, the first ones rolled out this week. Uh, Have you gotten a look at them yet?
1: so I've seen a ton of memes. Um, I've been very busy at work. I haven't had a chance to really pay attention to what it means or even what it is. So go ahead and tell me, please. (laughs) So,
0: uh, if they released four pictures and then they had like a fifth, like they, they were uh, trying to get information on an exoplanet and it's not a spectacular photo. So they didn't release it. They just released data that they were able to glean from it. Mm. Um, and so we got a new, like a deep field photo, uh, to, and it's one of the one of the same places that uh, the Hubble Deep Field stuff w- was photographed in, and so we have like a lot more detail there. So it's like a okay. really good like one to one comparison. And we got a couple of uh, nebulas photographed, and um, they're beautiful, uh, especially when you compare them to Hubble. You get the uh, idea of how much of a, a a larger resolution that that we've got with this telescope. Mm-hmm. But I that think- is one of
1: the things I have seen is the side by side comparisons.
0: I think for me, the most amazing thing, though, is the photo that they didn't share. It just the details on it, because they were um, trying to get a read on the atmospheric composition of an exoplanet, and they were able to detect uh, water clouds.
1: Oh, interesting. water. This
0: telescope saw clouds on a planet a thousand light years away.
1: Wow that That is is impressive so cool yeah that Uh, is cool
0: (laughs) now obviously we're not going to be getting any like uh you know like like voyager 2 style photographs of of alien planets that's can't do that but (laughs) the fact (laughs) that we're able to get that kind of information from this telescope and it's Ju- it's like brand new these are just the first photographs Um uh, looking forward to this for years to come getting some spectacular photographs and of course the nebulas are always the best looking ones so they I are look they're forward so cool looking
1: yeah because we have we have we seen all i've seen is a couple of star fields, really so i guess maybe i need to google and see what all the pictures look like
0: yeah there was a couple of nebulas um uh, there was uh i think there was one that was uh, there's a, a stellar nursery uh nebula mm-hmm. and then there's another one which is uh gas expanding from a dying star so it's like you know the birth and death
1: interesting okay yeah no i'm excited to see where that comes from i mean the memes have been funny too i've enjoyed the memes i knew they were from i didn't know what the point of the telescope was i just knew that everybody all of a sudden was like hey we have these back and i'm like man i feel like a bad space nerd because i don't know what we're talking about <laughs> so um
0: yeah it's it's a uh, a higher resolution telescope it's actually about a million miles out from Earth. Um, whereas Hubble is in low Earth orbit, or I think slightly higher than low Earth orbit. But uh, because of that, because it's far enough away from Earth, it's able to uh, avoid light pollution from the Earth as well. It's got like a massive sun shield, so it can block out uh, light from the sun, and it's just orbiting a a Lagrange point. But it's primarily an infrared camera, so a lot of the photos that we see, we're not actually seeing like the true color of what it is. We're seeing... A spectrum of infrared translated to colors that we can see
1: oh um, interesting okay
0: but we still get a lot of good information from it uh and uh I, you know i i don't care if the nebula in real life doesn't look that pretty i'm happy to see it be prettified for us
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm okay with that too
0: <laughs> um but it will allow us to uh get a lot more detailed now the risk of it being put out in a Lagrange point is that when Hubble first launched, do you remember uh, it, its first photos were like uh, unfocused?
1: Yeah, I do. And they
0: actually had to send the uh, space shuttle out to repair it. Uh, we can't send astronauts a million uh, miles out. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no. So uh, we had to make absolutely sure that this telescope uh, was, uh, you know, not going to break down when we get it, but it so like this telescope
1: is literally farther out than any human being has ever been before.
0: Yeah, the farthest that any human uh, being has been is the far side of the moon.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, I forget about that all the time. I always think because of all the sci-fi and everything that we've been out to like Jupiter and, and Pluto and stuff, but we haven't.
0: We have probes that far, sure, but yeah, no humans. Right,
1: but humans haven't been. Yeah,
0: but uh, yeah, no. So I'm looking forward to. uh, Future photos, Um, I'm sure everyone will be updating their uh, uh, lock screen uh, (laughs) uh, um, (laughs) uh, profile uh, photos on there. And uh, uh, I hope to uh, many decades of uh, beautiful photography to come.
1: Yeah, me too. My husband actually had the, um, not the space telescope, but he had the little uh, the guy that lives on Mars and takes pictures and such. Um, I can't think of his name right now, but you know the little robot guy that lives on Mars. Um, oh,
0: um, Curiosity, one of the one of the probes. I don't yeah,
1: because they share a birthday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, that's cute. Yeah, I think that's what he told me, and that's what. And it's so cute though, and you know it sings itself "Happy Birthday" every year on its birthday um until it died <laughs> which is a sad way to end this story <laughs> but yeah all right so before we talk about the episode you know you could join our patreon
0: that's right uh go to patreon.com slash rest of both worlds at any tier you get access to our episodes up to five days early uh you also get access to a spot in our discord where you can submit ideas for these small talks that we have before the episodes and for the ten dollar tier you will get your name read out at the end of each episode. Nobody's taken that one yet, so you could be the first.
1: You could be the first one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so today we are talking about Deja Q. It is the 13th episode of the third season. It first aired on the 5th of February, 1990. It was written by Richard Dannis and directed by Les Landau.
0: And it's our... uh, uh Annual Q episode. It's
1: a Q episode. Yeah, I know. I was very excited to see it was a Q episode. I, I um had been waiting because you could see it was coming, right? Like, right? Because I'm I'm watching it on Amazon Prime or whatever, so I was like, I see Q. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and uh, so the Enterprise is trying to help uh, a planet get its moon back in orbit because it's falling out of orbit and is gonna hit the planet. Um, and as they're considering their options uh suddenly q shows up just dumped on the bridge naked buck naked in fact (laughs) so naked that he wasn't even just tv naked in order to get him suspended in that way because he appears in the air before falling on the ground right in order to get it to work right uh, he wasn't even wearing a thong he was actually hanging dong wow
1: well, he's committed <laughs> that must have been interesting for the rest of the crew
0: well i mean it's patrick stewart's blocking it so you know he got a good uh, good view of, of the uh, the cuteness
1: <laughs> yeah great <laughs> So he appears naked and he says he doesn't have any powers. Nobody believes him. Because why would you believe him?
0: Right. Because he's, you know, he's a mischievous God and he um, they're, they're, you know, basically through the rest of the episode are considering is like, is he just like play acting here? Is he just messing with us? Again? Do you know who
1: I finally accepted it from that? He really, truly was human when Guinan like accepted him as human, like in being pathetic and weak or whatever. I was like, oh, OK, so it, he really is human because I felt like Guinan would know you know
0: i also love that guy and stabbed him in the hand with a fork that
1: was so good (laughs) (laughs) you know and that was like barely anything because they're like mortal enemies or whatever but like Uh i remember when it cut to the scene and they're sitting in 10 forward i'm like oh this is gonna be good (laughs) But anyway,
0: uh, Q says that he's been kicked out of the continuum and stripped of his powers and he only had like a minute to decide what he was going to live as once they dumped him into uh, into the mortal realm. So he picked human and they sent him to the Enterprise because uh, um, he said that of everyone in the universe Picard's the closest thing he has to a friend because he's a Picard stand God being that's kind <laughs> of pathetic man but that's it's cute they cute
1: when we meet, meet the second cute guy the one from L.A. Law at the end of the uh-huh. episode like to me it seems so obvious why they have no friends they're also terrible <laughs> you know like he was a terrible terrible awful jerk too
0: yeah Anyway, uh, one of the best interactions in the episode—I use it in the intro joke—is when uh, Q is like, "What must I do to convince you people that I'm mortal?" And Worf goes, "Die,
1: die!" I know, with his deep, big, deep voice. Like, here's the obvious solution, bud. <laughs> and of course,
0: Q's response: "Oh, ha, ha, Worf. Uh, eat any good books lately?" Yeah.
1: <laughs> i i love i think between uh q and wharf is some of the best banter um i love it now i do i do take offense to q stealing michelle tanner's how rude line i mean it was even (laughs) the same time period and i was like okay come on like yeah i think it started in 88 so i think she was definitely saying how rude on the show by this point Yeah, exactly. And she even kind of said it in the same tone. And I was like, is this on purpose? This shouldn't be on purpose. I hope it's not on purpose. But yes, he was like, how rude. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) But anyway...
0: At first, they just throw him in the brig because they're like, look, if you're going to pretend to be human, we're just, well, and we're going to play along. Well, we don't want to have to deal with you, so we'll just shove you in there. But then he's just like, well, you know, I mean, I I may be mortal, but I've still got my intellect. And it sounds like you guys are dealing with a a problem with the moon falling out of the sky. And they're like, oh, yeah, as if you don't know, he's like, I don't care about a moon. But I mean, if I if I can prove it to you, like I, I didn't do anything to the moon. I'm just here. Let me help. So they assign Data to him, which is... uh, They have an interesting conversation because Data notes that he has been aspiring to be human for his entire life. And Mm -hmm. here, Q gets it as a punishment. And Data's noting the irony there.
1: I thought that was funny. And I also think it's a difference in how people view things one man's trash is another man's treasure kind of thing because it was like what va- what data values is being respected as another human member of the team or whatever and not always constantly put down for being an android and then q's over here like given the chance to be anything and he chooses to, chooses human, and then sees it as a punishment. I was like, "Yeah, this really is like the oh, you know, life is so hard for me, but it's harder for other people." But I don't care to look. Is how it felt to me, you know, because like Data's been trying his whole life to be human, and then the way he's just like, "Oh, this is so stupid." And then I did like the part though, where Q was like, I, "I'm a Klingon at heart, one Klingon <laughs> to another." When he's talking to Worf, trying to get Worf to like not put him in the brig, I think like it was also funny
0: I, too because that whole scene, like Q is trailing behind Worf like basically trying to convince him and I'm like Worf's escorting him to the brig. I know shouldn't he could Worf just st- be behind he could walk him slower.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: like shouldn't he just like have Q by the arm the entire time? I the way that security behaves in Star Trek, it never makes sense. Like it, it, they'll they'll like, you know, come up like, "Oh, come on, let's go," but they won't like grab anybody. It's like, "Have you never arrested someone before?" You typically got to grab them and then like handcuff them and push them where you're taking them
1: i guess now that he's human they just expected him to be compliant because that's what us humans are known for being compliant
0: yeah and, <laughs> and, and and it would be one thing if it was like he's like oh fine i'll go to the brig and deal with it but like as soon as they turn on the thing he's like oh this isn't fair this isn't what i where i should go i'm claustrophobic what are you doing to me <laughs> so anyway once he's let out uh they're looking at ways of moving the uh the moon and Q's like, Well it's easy, you just change the gravitational constant of the universe <laughs> Right. <laughs> because if something is a Q, he could just easily do it. We're like, okay, well, well, we can't do that.
1: <laughs> but
0: it does actually give Jordy an idea because he's like, well, if we extend the warp field around the moon, because it's a small moon, it's like an asteroid, the, that might actually reduce its mass and it would give us make it easier for us to tractor it back into position. So, hey, thanks Q, you actually did do something there.
1: And then he throws his back out. In what Beverly diagnoses in a very doctorly term as classic back trauma.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she shows up and is so enjoying the fact that he's in pain. Like I know. she's just like they're like like, hey, I'm a doctor, I'm gonna treat you. But like it's the worst bedside manner she's ever had and Q like notes it and I'm just like, Yeah, but you deserve it, Q. Remember that time that you like uh, killed wesley before bringing him back i'm pretty right. sure she does i'm pretty sure she does yeah
1: um now i do love the part when they're in ten forward and uh he's like oh my stomach is hurting and wesley's like oh you need to eat or whatever data and then was he, like that data yeah sorry not wesley um and then he's like well when counselor troy is unhappy she usually eats something chocolate <laughs> and so
0: he's like all right i'll have 10 chocolate, ten chocolate sundays, sundays. Ten? i'm very i'm in a very bad mood.
1: <laughs> i've never seen someone eat 10 chocolate sundaes but if anybody could i bet it would be cute and then but
0: then like after he has his confrontation with and then like they have the two waiters bringing out the trays of chocolate sundaes and he's like i'm not hungry anymore i'm like no I I wa- no they made them for you you eat those <laughs> i want to watch him eat
1: them and i'm pretty sure the rec- replicator made them but i still want to watch him eat 10 ice cream sundaes <laughs> there is a good reference to 10 forward because they asked where the they were being attacked or whatever because the whisties from the other episode were reused again in this episode and they were like where are they being attacked and worse like from deck 10 forward and I was like oh 10 forward got it just <laughs> remember how I forward. asked yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so those wisties the calamarine they are a gaseous species that uh, apparently Q had been bothering before and they get wind that Q is now mortal and they're here for revenge and like
1: and how'd they figure that out so fast though they were just like oh he's mortal here we are I kind of wonder
0: if maybe one of the other Q didn't like let them tell know, him.
1: Maybe, yeah that's a good point yeah
0: <laughs> and like you would think at any point, it's like, okay, well, Q's not. An ally of the Enterprise. Uh, he's caused you nothing but problems. Just give him to them. I'm sure whatever he did Picard to them he is deserved. too much
1: of a softy. And he,
0: Q even points that out. Q is just like, you know, you humans are so willing to forgive people with who've showed the slightest remorse, no matter what they've done. And, uh, you know, Picard's like, yeah, that's not a weakness. That's one of our strengths. Right. And so, but this is causing problems because, like, when they're trying to move the moon, as they do it, they have to drop shields. And when they drop shields, the calamarain attack. And then they can't, then they all don't manage to get the moon back into place. They've only bought themselves, like, another orbit before it crashes in. Right. And uh, Q realizes, obviously, is like, okay... I'm the problem here, so he goes and steals a shuttlecraft and like locks out the ship controls so nobody can go like beam him back or tractor the shuttle. Which we've in.
1: seen before. I'm the problem, so I'm going to put myself in a shuttle. Which I think it was that boy. Remember the boy mm-hmm. who put himself on a shuttle? I was like, wow, this feels like a reused story idea. But okay, <laughs> I'm
0: pretty sure they <laughs> reused the shot of the shuttle leaving the bay and and and. <laughs> Like, I was like, I recognize that, except the shuttle's going the other way, so I think they mirrored the shot, but I'm pretty sure it was that exact same effect. Um, Yeah, so once he goes out there, and then the Calamaran come after him, well... Another Q shows up in his shuttle and is just like, "Oh, hey, how's it going, Q? Oh, hey, Q, how's it going? Uh, I I love that they just call each other Q and like they yeah. just know who they're who they're talking about. It's and like that
1: guy. That guy acts like he just met Willem Dafoe, right? Because that's that's who we're talking about, right? Yeah." He just met Willem Dafoe and was like, I want to emulate that guy. (laughs) (laughs) And I know him from L.A. Law um, Mm -hmm. because I watched L.A. Law with my mother growing up. And so I was like, hey, it's that dude from L.A. Law. But I looked him up on IMDb to make sure I was right. And he's been in a ton of stuff in the 90s. So like at that point, he was either about to get really famous or he already was. And yet he chose to play a Willem Dafoe knockoff character (laughs) on Star Trek. Hell no. When did Willem Dafoe get famous? Um, I feel like he would have been famous by that point, right? He, uh,
0: I think, wasn't this isn't his, his, wasn't his claim, to pay, uh, claim to fame? The uh, The Last Temptation of Christ, like, wasn't that where he like oh, his first? I've big never thing, seen I
1: think? that. But does he play Satan? Because like, yeah, I don't like. No, him. I'm
0: pretty sure he plays Jesus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking it up. I've never seen it. Uh, that was in '88. So yeah, Willem Dafoe was not by Okay.
1: That he was known by then yeah that's, that's at first i was like i was trying to place what actor i thought it was white like and you said willem dafoe and i was like oh it is willem dafoe especially because we were just watching or i mean we were just watching because it's 2022 too many spider man right and so he's <laughs> yeah. been on my like radar lately again because i keep thinking about him because he's he does such a good job at playing green goblin you know, mm-hmm. like, and so he was on my mind, and then you said it, and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it is.
0: All, all the Q, all Q needed to say to Q was, we're not so different, you and I.
1: <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs>
0: but he does note that because Q is going and, like, making the sacrifice play, he's like, oh, maybe maybe you have uh, learned your lesson. Okay, that's it. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and give you your powers back. And, uh, of course, the first thing Q does with the powers is, like, shrink the Calamari down to the size that can fit in his hand and he's like threatening them and then the other Q's right. like hey dude we just gave you your powers back he's like oh I was just playing with him and he just like just blows away he's like, no
1: yeah. no 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 nothing <laughs> <laughs> and then he shows up with an entire mariachi band on the
0: uh great moment
1: such a good is. moment like it's that- so good
0: oh and we even missed earlier like that's a good meme but like the meme comes from this episode it the does Picard, the one where he's holding his head ball. in his hand yes 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 I know
1: I paused it and rewound it and got a picture because I was like it's the meme <laughs>
0: <laughs> but see I've me seen me. Like, the mariachi meme, meme, one meme, too meme,
1: meme. yeah <laughs> I, I've seen the mariachi one but I don't remember what the people use it for for memeing like Usually when I saw it I was like celebrating I've seen things it. Cause oh, okay that's what so... he's
0: doing he's got his powers back so he he brings a mariachi bands to the, the bridge and is blowing on his trumpet and nobody else is amused.
1: And no, and then when Picard's finally like, okay, stop this. He snaps his fingers and he's in his red uh, leotard. No, that's not what it's called. Jumpsuit. And he's like, you know, you, Picard looks him up and looks him down and he looks at him like he cannot believe that this man is wearing a Star Trek uniform. I'm like, this is not the first time, buddy. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> But I mean, I think the reason that the Q episodes work so well is really the Jean-Luc and Q like play off of each other so well. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it work. You know, it's kind of like Star-Lord and Thor. They kind of like they're like they're not good together for long periods of time, but I love them together for short periods of time. They have good banter with
0: each other. They play off each other well. They're yeah um,
1: yeah. Um, like I wouldn't want to watch an entire Asgardians of the Galaxy movie like where they're together the whole time because Thor would throw Thor would throw off the Guardians and the Guardians would throw off Thor right? I but, I, I
0: mean we just saw uh, Thor 4 <laughs> together and I did. would have liked a little bit more of the Guardians in that movie to be I honest agree.
1: I agree I agree like they were, like, were underutilized like, I wanted it to be more but I think an entire movie would have I knew they would go away eventually because an entire movie would be weird to have an entire Guardians movie okay so so, are we ready to talk about the end, though? No. no. Um, no? yeah Okay. Yeah. At the end of the episode, yeah,
0: because I was just going to say, um, Q. most of the interaction in the episode is between Q and Data, and uh, right. which, which is interesting. I thought because, they were good together, too. Because Data has the perspective of someone aspiring to be human, and Q has the perspective of someone who is only freshly human. Right. And... Um, uh, at the end, because you know it was Data was the one basically advocating for Q, saying you know what Q might actually have some good ideas here, and uh, oh, I, I think he might be turning a new leaf. Q decides to give him a gift, and Data immediately is like, "Do not turn me human. I, I yeah. don't want. I don't want a shortcut to this." And he's like, "Oh no, I'm not going to do that." But uh, he does let him laugh. Like, and so, does he him tell him a joke,
1: laugh. or because he whispers something in his ear? Right. I.
0: Don't think he tells him a joke. I think he It was a very lost in translation
1: moment where I was like, what did he say?
0: (laughs) No, I think it was just he because data doesn't even know why he's laughing. He just he just I just felt like it. But this was
1: like the culmination of several episodes where we've seen him try to laugh and it's been so creepy and terrible. You know, like that's what I thought was so cool about it is they gave him the thing he had been working for. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so cool.
0: It was cute. (laughs) And then they get hailed by the planet. They're like, hey, thanks. Whatever you did. The moon's back in its orbit. They're like, oh, we it is. We didn't do anything. Thanks, Q. Q.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wonder. So do do you know that? I I don't know. I haven't read the books, but I hear that um, in the Star Wars books, that's how Chewie dies. The moon of Endor gets thrown at him and he dies, I think.
0: Um, All I knew about Chewie dying in the books, obviously, this is before the Disney canon is that he died, like, to save uh, Han and Leia's kids. Like, that's what I had heard. But beyond that, I don't know how he died. I just know that he did.
1: All I knew was that, like, he had been crushed by a falling moon or planet or something. And I was, like, interesting. And then when I was watching this episode, I was like, oh, it's like Chewie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There uh, there were a couple good moments in this episode. Like, when Q tried to insult Worf by calling him a Romulan. Yes. Which I really liked. I thought that was funny. And, Um, um...
0: I, I was surprised with Worf's restraint at that point, because Worf's just like, nope, just gonna keep walking. Just he did walking. stop,
1: like, he thought yeah. about it, because, like, you, you could, it would be like if it was a cartoon, he would have clenched his hands and, <laughs> you know, but, like, he stopped and then he just kept walking. Yeah. Um, and then, Q and I have something in common. We don't often have something in common, but I, too, hate working in groups, because I'm omnipotent. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> Not because I'm omnipotent, but I hate having to do all the work. Um... But I, I laughed at that line because I also hate group work. I get it. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> For once I really wanted Deanna to be front and center, telling us everything we already knew and she wasn't. Like it feels like they pack her away on some of the episodes where she'd be the most interesting.
0: She did comment that she was feel like like when oh, when Future or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That like he's like, I don't know, he might be telling the truth. He he I do sense something different from him than I usually do, so uh. But that's about all she contributes and um I know
1: I was in this case, since he really was truly human, I was kind of hoping for like maybe a little bit more of her using her powers on him, you know, since she could and he wouldn't be able to stop her because he's just human. Right. Yeah. Um, we almost missed my favorite line. You weren't like that before the beard. (laughs) I thought that was such a good line, especially because they, you know, because of the trope, you know, growing the beard and everything. It was almost like they were acknowledging that Mm -hmm. it's because Q tries to like conjure up some ladies for Riker. I don't need
0: your fantasy women.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then, and then he, and then it's like, oh, you weren't like that before the beard made me laugh so (laughs) much. I was like, yeah, that's right. You weren't like that before the beard.
0: Um, that actually just conjuring up fantasy women. I actually just made a tweet. People making jokes about, uh, Uh, in in doctor strange the multiverse of madness where reed richards just tells wanda what black bolt's powers are so that she can stop them and i was just i made a tweet that said reed richards if you were a good wingman it's over wanda black bolt can easily kill you with his lack of bitches
1: (laughs) what I we don't need to talk about multiverse madness. I still got <laughs> I've still got some issues with why some things happened in that because I'm still kind of irritated about the way that they that they just had want to come in and smash up all those people, but it's. <laughs> It's, that's for another time <laughs> <laughs> um i think we're ready to move on to the next episode which i'm just going to tell everyone right now was the most boring episode of star trek i have ever seen so the one we are talking about today is called a matter of perspective it is the 14th episode of the third season that first aired on the 12th of february 1990 written by ed zuckerman and directed by cliff bowl
0: this is the rashomon episode um Which, when I mentioned it to you, you're like, oh, like The Last Jedi. Uh
1: Uh-huh. That's where I learned that term, yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm sure that won't make anyone mad.
1: (laughs) No, I'm sure. I'm sure that Ryan Johnson, being a director that knows classic film and then inserting it into a Star Wars movie that everybody hates because it's too woke, won't piss anybody (laughs) off. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, so uh Riker and Jordy uh, had been visiting a uh, space station where somebody's working on some scientists is working on some new uh energy source and when they beam back over the space station explodes right and um there was only one person aboard the space station when it exploded. the the, uh, the scientist who was working on this thing but then uh suddenly the um, a, a uh, detective from the planet beams up. He's like, all right, it's time we're going to arrest Riker for the murder. And they're like, well, hang on. Huh? What do you mean? And they're like, nope, we've got the uh, witness testimony. He's the one who did it. And so uh, Picard's just like, look, um, yes, we are subjects to, your laws while we're in your system. However, it is the captain's prerogative whether extradition is warranted. So we're going to hear things out here on the ship first before we just let you take him to your guilty before proven innocent uh, Right, they made that perfectly
1: clear because he's like, in our system of uh, judgment, we're uh, justice. We are um, innocent until proven guilty. And he's like, in our system of justice, you're guilty until proven innocent.
0: (laughs) Their system of justice also allows hearsay. Which I was just like, Mm -hmm. uh, you got a lot of innocent people in prison, my dude.
1: (laughs) Seriously, so do we, though. That's true. So, um, So that's one of the only one of my few takeaways from this episode is that I think I might have said this before, but that the Federation is lawful good because they follow the rules of whatever law of the society that they're in unless they just decide that day that they're not going to because it serves the plot. Yeah,
0: yeah. Picard was like, okay, well, we'll follow the rules. It's like, oh, but I don't like that rule. And I'm going to break the prime directive to break that rule. You know, it happens uh, probably about once or twice a season.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So this this episode and the previous episode both started with naked people. (laughs) And that's all they have in common. I don't know. i don't
0: know right because it starts i I completely forgot about that yeah um picard is uh doing some uh painting and um that's actually a really funny scene too because like data is going in and yeah because there's like they have a nude model that everyone's painting and data is like uh uh, praising the um the different styles of all the, the the painting students then he looks at picard's And the way he describes it as like a mishmash of conflicting styles and it's just like...
1: Haphazard melange. It's the only words I wrote down. Haphazard melange. (laughs) And it's
0: obvious that Data isn't meaning to be insulting. He was just like it's just Picard is so bad at painting that, like, it's just tripping up Data's circuits, and he's, like, pattern recognizing where the, it isn't there, and Picard's just really bad at it. And you can tell that Picard's just like, <laughs> alright, shut up, Data. I know I'm not
1: good at painting. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a good opening. Um, it's nice to see, you know, Picard do, like, you know, R&R type stuff, like painting, because, you know, we usually just see him drinking tea and being on the bridge. Um, and playing... Uh, dixon hill but Uh i i don't know then that's where the episode just lost my (laughs) interest i don't know i just it it really felt like they were trying to do something fancier than star trek does that make sense like i don't know how to describe it other than that i just didn't like it
0: well and and it sounds like i was reading a lot of like the background stuff and um it was uh the, the final writer of it was Ed Zuckerman, but it was a, a group effort, and I think Ronald Moore uh, did a lot of initial work on it, and he said that they had, like, a really tight script for it, and it was, like, a really good murder mystery, but, like, the direction just made it completely fall flat.
1: Yeah, well, that actually, the way you just described that is how I would describe the episode if I had any, like, desire to explain it in a better way, because that's exactly what it is. It felt like they had something there. They were like, we're gonna do this, like classical style of movie or whatever. And we're going to show you three different perspectives and then show you what really happened. But instead it just kind of fell apart. Like it was being done by people who had no idea what they were doing. Yeah.
0: And, um, you know, uh, so what they accuse him of is that, uh, the scientist's wife was like, you know, uh, Riker says that she was coming on to him and that's what caused the conflict. And she said that he tried to rape her and that's what mm-hmm. caused the conflict and and then, like, oh, yes, yeah, so that led to
1: a very uncomfortable scene we all had to watch, where Riker was not understanding cues of not pushing women <laughs> without consent, and I was like, "Why am I having to watch this?"
0: It was a holographic <laughs> Riker, and it was from her testimony. Yeah, uh, and like, it seems like she was trying to fr- like I I don't believe in any universe that that Riker is a rapist, so I, I don't either. Don't just believe was so her testimony. Yeah. I think she was just trying to sell it so that uh, because she I I think she was convinced that Riker had killed, killed her, her husband yeah and i think she just fabricated those elements to make it more damning against him um yeah, that, you know that, that happens all the time in 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 like court cases and stuff like that uh you want to upsell your side
1: speaking of which did you find out did you this is totally aside but it, did you hear that they found the original arrest warrant for the woman that accused Emmett Till Did you hear about this? And so now people are calling for her to be arrested, and she's like trying, she's out there trying to save face, and they say things like, I never want him murdered, but. Murder doesn't have a statute of limitations, right? No, it doesn't. Yeah. So, and she's still alive and he is not. So it's, that's all I've heard. I like, I've been so busy this week, but it just reminded me of that. And I just thought, wow, it would be interesting to see her arrested after all these years because her false Uh testimony is what got him murdered, you know? Yeah,
0: that would be interesting.
1: So anyway, that just made me think of it because we were talking about false testimonies. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Like, I also like how every single version of the uh you know um the doctor walking in on Riker and his wife in each version somebody else gets their ass kicked
1: oh i hadn't really picked up on that <laughs> cuz in the first one in Riker's testimony
0: uh he swings at both of them and hits his wife but like Riker dodges and uh-huh. then in uh the uh wife's testimony uh when when the doctor comes in to like confront them Riker kicks his ass and hmm. then in the third testimony, which is from the assistant who is relaying hearsay information about what the doctor told her about how it happened, he shows up and kicks Riker's ass. So it's okay. really funny yeah. just seeing different. And I'm like, well, you know, I. I I think if you ask Dr. Crusher, you could probably tell, okay, well, these punches happened, like, 24 hours ago, so right. I'm sure I could find evidence of trauma if there was any.
1: Classic back <laughs> trauma, yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah. no, that's a good point, because they all th- they, it, it. I had not caught that, but that would be, you'd be able to find the one with the actually punched face, right? And that would mm-hmm. be the correct one. I also thought it was interesting because Data was like, this is accurate to like a very minimal 8.36%, and I was like, that's a big art of, uh, <laughs> that's a huge margin of error for somebody potentially going to jail or being put to death for the rest of their life data i I think the uh
0: (laughs) the sets were all accurate like they they had recreated the um uh the space station in the holodeck down to every detail and that actually ends up being what exonerates riker because um they start noticing uh at a precise interval like every five hours 20 minutes and 13 seconds there is a uh a streak of radiation that hits the ship and starts, like, melting through some random part of the ship. And they realize that it's actually uh, the energy that the Doctor had been working on, because there is, like, a base station on the planet that was transmitting it up to the station. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because they recreated the station, and because the way that the energy interacts is basically just bouncing off of it like a set of mirrors, the recreation of the station was interacting with that signal in the same way and sending out the radiation. And so while the accusation was that as Riker was being beamed out, he fired his phaser at the reactor, they actually able are able to reconstruct using the actual energy from the base station interacting with the thing, showing that Riker as he beams out was going to be hit by that energy, by the doctor. The doctor tried to kill him.
1: Right, yeah, and that's how they figured out that he tried. He was the one that was trying to kill him.
0: But the transporter beam reflected back into the reactor, and so he just ended up killing himself.
1: That's what you get for trying to murder somebody, I guess, you know? <laughs> like, I didn't really have a lot of, like, sympathy towards him being dead since, you know, he had tried to be the murderer in the first place. Interestingly,
0: this, um, this plot line though of you know visiting a uh, a scientist who's like obsessed with his work uh and like a neglected wife that uh, there's a question of infidelity uh with with the character that they reuse that plot line in an episode of voyager where it's uh, tom paris who's accused of murder
1: maybe that's why this episode felt so familiar right as the whole time i was watching it is like not only is it super boring but why does it feel familiar? And I was like, well, because then we, I, we were texting and you said the thing about the Rashomon or whatever. And I was like, OK, so maybe it's just that. Maybe I'm just getting like weird deja vu feelings because of that, you know. Mm. But now that you're saying that they reuse this plot in a Voyager and we all know I sat and watched Voyager, but don't remember a look of it. That might be why is because of that. But I just... <laughs> Did you like this episode? Like, is no. it one that you would go watch on your own if you're like, I'm going to watch an episode of Star Trek?
0: No, it would not. It would not jump out at me. I don't think. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think Ronald Moore said it was like the worst episode of season three.
1: Oh, well, so far, I think I'd probably agree with that. I'd have to go back and look, but it just felt so dry and boring. It felt like I was watching something that used to be on TV like 45 years ago, you know, that wasn't interesting at all. I don't know. I didn't like it. <laughs> I was mad when Troy called him Will, though, because she calls him Bill.
0: No, she doesn't. Not anymore. You have to let Bill die.
1: It's, it's not coming Bill. back. Stop trying to make Fetch happen. I'm going to make Bill happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start petitioning to get her to call him Bill in the newest, in the in the Picard episodes. Oh,
0: well, they've already filmed those, so... Uh, Dang it! You, you better hope to, I mean, they could still ADR it, but uh, I don't know. Um, It should probably... Uh, i'll i'll find out you should probably just bug i think it's terry Metalis is the showrunner for picard let me double check
1: well and i'm good friends with that person so i can just call them up <laughs> oh i'm sure <laughs> tell them that i think this is what they should do and i did what amanda told me she i think of shaving cream every single time i think of her calling him bill now but that doesn't help me <laughs> it doesn't
0: happen anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: Um, well, I mean, I don't know if I really have anything else to add to this one other than I disliked it. There's not very many. I mean, I at least usually get a page of notes, either making fun of things or noting little things. This one has four lines of notes on the page. Like, I just, there was nothing I had to say about it. It was just there. It existed. It was an episode.
0: I have very few notes on this one myself. I was just looking. Usually I can scroll down, but uh, I take my notes on my on my phone and they're all there on the, on the single I, screen of my yeah. phone. Yeah.
1: I mean, like the Q one had four pages of notes. For example, this one uh-huh. had half a page of notes. But yeah, I don't know. Just I hope the next ones are better. We are out of the weird naming scheme, though. There was like ten episodes in a row that started with the, yeah. and we're fi- the, yeah, these two were finally because it's Deja Q and a Matter of Perspective. We're finally out of the 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 pattern yeah. that was really bothering me because like ten episodes in a row were all the the the, and it was like okay, get over it, guys. <laughs> <You know? laughs> So thanks for joining us today. I'm Ari.
0: And I'm Gayfesh.
1: And until next time,
0: live long and prosper.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and consider writing a review in your podcast service. We're on Twitter at Rest Both Worlds. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rest of for bonus content and hear your name at the end of each episode.